You can put your announcements aside. We'll be in Acts chapter 12. Let's pray. Here it is, Lord. It's the time of the week uh, we enjoy. We're sitting under your word. We want you to speak to our hearts. And Lord, we need instruction. We need you to speak to us. We need uh, uh, direction. We need to hear from you. We, we pray, Lord, that you'd give us our portion, that you'd give us this day our daily bread in a very literal way, that you would infuse us with the things that you want us to know that will help us uh, today and tomorrow and the next day and the next after that until we, until we meet again. And Lord, this isn't, presup- this isn't exile people reading and studying and hearing from you every day. I'm hoping that happens all the time. But Lord, we want to uh, take this special opportunity just that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, if you don't have a through the Bible plan, you want to be looking at them, thinking about that. I'll show you which one anyone asks. I'll show you which one I do. Some do that. Some, I know a few of you guys, uh, Tommy, uh, Suze, you're doing that chronological one. That's another good one. The one I do is like five days a week. It's Monday through Friday, and it kind of gives you the weekend off. So during the weekday, it gives you bigger, bigger bites to take. And the only reason I say that, because if we're all on the same, you know, reading the same scripture, I just kind of like that idea. I'm not so, anything you're reading, any Bible thing you're going through is perfect. It's just, it's wonderful, and the fact that you're doing that. But now it's never been easier, and, and for you not to do the Bible in a year, every year, is just like, in my mind, unthinkable ever, but now it's so easy. You really don't have any. So I'm on my way to work. I'm going to work every day anyway, all week long. And I have my Bible on, playing around on the speaker of the car. Couldn't, it, it, easy peasy. I mean, if you, it, you, you can't, it's wonderful. So it starts my day off in the right direction. I'm hearing from God and God speaks to me. And does that ever like play out that I need to know that during the course of the day? Yeah, just almost every day. That's the word of God. That's how it works. Okay, Acts chapter 12, uh, commercials aside. I don't get kickback on that or anything, obviously. Uh, version. Uh, there's only about 80 billion downloads. You should go ahead and... Anyway, not 80 billion, you know. All right, anyway, Acts chapter 12. Now, about this time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Herod. Let's talk about Herod briefly would be the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great, we call himself Herod the Great. He was great architecturally, and he was a great builder, but he wasn't a great man. He was the one who, when the wise men came, you know, where is he that is born king of the Jews? The king, Herod, didn't like that so much. Uh, when he saw he was mocked of the wise men, he uh, went and he destroyed all the children in Bethlehem, two years old and, uh, and under. Think, wow, what a sweetheart of a guy. He, he wasn't. He killed his own sons, who he thought were rising up against him. He had ten wives. He killed several of them, including his favorite, a lady called Mary Omni, um, uh, because he thought that they were plotting against him. He, he was sinister. He was, he was dark. He was malevolent. He was not a good guy, okay? This is his, his grandson, Herod Agrippa. And uh, this Herod, n- none of them were a friend to Christianity. Uh, some of them were a friend to Israel somewhat, undergoing a conversion to Judaism somewhat. The Edomites, okay, the whole family. So what Edomite, what is that? Well, remember, Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had two twin sons, Jacob and Esau. 
Jacob, so the Semitic people, because they're from Abraham, but they're not, they're not Jewish because they're not from Jacob and the 12 tribes. They would be like cousins, or, or they're in the family of Israel. I mean, you know, but they're not, they're not Jews. So some of them had like this conversion to Judaism. Was it true? Well, I, I, I can't say that. But it didn't affect them like in the fact that they were godly men, because none of them were. The Herods, uh, you see them all through Scripture. It's very complicated to figure out which Herod is which, and Herod Achilles, and Herod, Herod Philip, and Herodias. Now you, that's, that's, you, get, you, you marry a woman, and she's got the same family name, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's a dysfunctional. They put the funk in dysfunctional. It's a crazy family. It's all kind of interwoven, and you've got cousins marrying uncles, and it's just oh, it's all horrible. This Herod, again, he's just the grandson. He's Herod Agrippa. He's the grandson of Herod the Great. Now, about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. How was that? What did he do? Well, I'm sorry you asked. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. You know, Peter, James, and John, that James. Uh, the inner circle. You know, the, one, the, the three that went up to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, that James. Peter, James, and John. The one who got to see Jairus' daughter raised from the dead, that James. It's the first of the uh, martyrs of the 12. That's, that's sad. I, I, don't, I don't have much to say about it. Um, why did God allow that to happen? I, you know, we always talk in terms like, when something tragic happens, the why God question is there. I've learned not to ask questions that, I wouldn't say don't have an answer. God's, it's not that he, they don't have an answer. It's just God's not beholding to me to answer certain things. He's, he's not. You're not going to drag God to this courtroom in the sky called fairness and compel him to answer. It doesn't work that way. Well, why is this? Why is that? I, I don't know. I know this. I've trusted in God my whole life. And like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Because I, I never saw anything more sensible than that. And I think that people have free will. You know, uh, why, uh, you know, we had that uh, sh shooting in, uh, um, what, Thousand Oaks there. Why, why, why? Oh, it's, God didn't do that. I always get that too. Like people ask me, like, you know, is this school shooting? Which one? Only oh, just... All kinds of them. Lawlessness will increase. You understand well, the time we're living in. So it's, and people always say, why, why? Oh, this is a horrible thing, why? I, I don't know, because people are bad. And I'm not trying to be cavalier or smug. People are bad. The Bible says that. There's none righteous, no, not one. So we have unrighteous people doing unrighteous things. <gasps> Imagine my surprise. Um, uh, God didn't do that. Well, he allowed it. But that's the rules of the game. He allows a lot of things. People always want him to overrule everyone else's bad, but let him leave my bad alone. I want to be able to do what I want to do. I want to I smoke dope. I want to live in sin. I want to, I want to be immoral. I want to, and I don't want God to tell, call me on anything, but anyone else's stuff, God should ch keep that in check and tell them they can't. What, what is that? Are we free moral agents or not? I think we are. I think he's given you the ability to do bad things. Well, why do innocent people have to suffer? Oh, my goodness. That's always how sin works. Listen, 
I didn't eat an apple. I know my name's Adam, but I didn't eat an apple. Not the original. I, I need fruit. God's like, you don't eat. I, I didn't. Two people decided our fate, okay? We live in a fallen world. I've done worse than that, by the way. I'm not trying to, in, uh, you know, get out, indemnify myself. I, I've never sinned, right? That's ridiculous. I didn't do that, but did, and you didn't do that. Did you suffer for that? Oh, yeah. Let's say you have a psycho parent who likes to be a, a drug user, abusive, or anything else. Is that a bad thing? Oh, it's a horrible thing. Did you do anything? Of course you didn't. If you're, parents of, if you're a child of divorced parents, did you divorce them? No. No. Do you suffer? Yeah. That's the nature of sin. Innocent people always get hurt. Uh, what if you're the spouse where, you, where you're, the, your spouse cheated on you? Did you do anything? No. Did you get hurt? Yeah. That's sin. That's how it works. That's the nature of sin. It's just, it's, pe innocent people suffer all the time. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking about that. He, he killed James and brother John with the sword. Uh, and, and God allows that because God allows that. And Herod's a free moral agent. And Herod, don't worry about Herod. There is that place in the sky called fairness. Everyone stands before the judgment seat of Christ. People try to stamp out Christ. I'm going to show you. This is a wonderful t uh, story, this, this whole chapter, the way it works out. Because I know people are against Jesus. They'll figure it out. I was watching something this morning on YouTube like I do. It was, uh, and I heard about someone, famous atheist who died. And I was thinking, well, he's not atheist anymore. He figured it out. Kind of too late. And I'm sorry, I don't say that with joy. I mean, I don't want anyone to go to hell. But there is a place called fairness. So I won't submit to God. I won't. He can't rule my life. Yeah, well, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's, it's what's written. It's going to happen. And people, you think about it. I mean, you, you think it would be any other way? God's put laws in play. Gravity, right? I'm going to, oh, you can't make me, you know, fall down. I'm going to fall up and jump off the building. You won't disprove gravity. You'll prove it. Well, it's the same with the laws against God. You know, oh, I'll show God a thing or two. I'll give him a picture. It's ridiculous. No, you're not. You're going to go to hell. What did you prove? Really, and especially this season, think about this. I mean, because I'm going to show you uh, ones who stand against God and ones who stand for, for God, and I'm going to show you how it all works out, okay? And this is kind of like a microcosm for life. He killed James, the brother John, with the sword, and you think, ah, oh, poor James. Hey, James is in heaven. He's fine. Well, he's beheaded. Oh, that was horrible. Don't worry. It got reattached. I just, I'm not even worried about James. James with the Lord, and if you would say, James, you want to come back? Your life was cut tragically short. You want to come back, give it another go? He, he would run screaming. <laughs> back there? No, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really okay. Thank you very much. You know, think about that. Anyone who's gone on to be with the Lord. We cry, and I get it. I get it. We miss them so much. Our hearts ache. I get that. I understand that. That's not a bad thing that we miss them. But if you were to interview them, say, hey, that was sad. That was tragic what happened. Come on back. They would say, I, no. <laughs> no. I'm busy. I got plans. No. I mean, if they had the opportunity, right? And we see very few people in the New Testament raised from the dead. You know what Jesus is calling them back from? He's very mindful of that. You know, he, he's like, we're all going to, if the rapture, if the, if the trumpet doesn't sound 
pretty soon, and I think it's going to sound incredibly soon, story for that for another time, if I have another time. I think it's going to be incredibly soon. Absent that, we're all going to draw our last breath and die at some point. It's what's prescribed. No one gets out of here alive, just except for the rapture saints, which I think probably most all of us are. But again, story for another time. Absent that, uh, I'm scheduled to die at some point. I want to do it well, like a Christian. I want to show faith in God, whether it's all of a sudden or, or little by little. I, I want to live for the Lord. I want to die for the Lord. I want it to be the last thing I do. Other than that, it's like it's on the, it's on the schedule. And that's, that's not tragic. It's not sad. We have our three score and ten. More if you're stronger. It's the Bible says, right? And then what? Go home and be with the Lord? I've always figured this out. <laughs> Early on I got saved. I was so scared of death when I was a kid. When I was even a young man before I got saved. I got saved and I'm like, death, psh, don't threaten me with a good time. I, I figured it out. I mean, we've got to figure this out. We're gonna, if everyone's living for like this is all there is, you're going to be so shocked. This goes by so fast. As I turned 59 here a couple weeks ago, this goes by so fast. It's incredible. We just celebrated our 40th anniversary yesterday. 40 years. I was just like, I, I'm just thinking like, no, you have to... <laughs> Uh, yeah, applaud her. She put up with my shenanigans 40 years. Listen, um, I, I'm not trying to say that to get like you thinking how wonderful we are or anything. What I was saying about it goes by so fast. We're thinking at 20, we were in Aruba having the most romantic dinner in the history of the world ever. And here we are 20 years later in ground round with our granddaughter thinking like, what have we fallen from? No, we, I told her, I said, we can go to, you know, I told her back 20 years ago, I said, every, every 20 years I'm going to take you to Aruba just like clockwork, you know. And she, I, so I told her, I said, we're going to go to Aruba. She goes, nah, I don't want to go. I said, all right, all right. Uh, the the office still on the table and you're all witnesses of that. So anytime she wants to go, we'll take her. But... She's like, no, I want to stay here. We got things to do. We got, no, it's all right, all right. But I was just thinking like, you know, 20, 40 years, where'd it go? Where'd it go? We got married, what is it, like two weeks ago, it seems like. Three, maybe. I'm not sure, but all of a sudden, that's how life is. And we're going to be alive for this short little, what is it? A breath, a vapor. It pairs for a while, then it goes away. And we're going to be eternity for a long time. Eternity's long, life is short, plan accordingly. Let's keep going. James is gone, but it's okay. He's gone to be with the Lord. And he, and, and he Herod, that's he, verse 3, sorry, please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Uh, then were the days of unleavened bread. Read here, Passover. Two holidays. Unleavened bread is first, it, and, and Passover is the day after. Uh, the 15th of Nisan, so uh, day, uh, unleavened bread would be, but it lasts for like eight days, okay, seven or eight days, I can't remember. And in that is also the Feast of um, First Fruits. Um, did I say that right? Yeah, Feast of First Fruits. And so those three happen in the same week, okay? And they call it the Days of Unleavened Bread. They also denotatively call it Passover, talking about the whole time too. Those were... That's why there's days of unleavened bread. It's only one actual day, but, it, but, the, but it's a week-long celebration. Look it up, uh, Leviticus, I, I'm thinking 23. And when he had apprehended him, that's to say again, 
Herod apprehended Peter. He put him in prison, delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. That is one of the most horrible translations of the King James in the whole New Testament. You don't have Easter there, honey? What do you got? Passover. The word is Passover. Why did they change it to Easter? I don't have any idea. I wish I was there saying, that's wrong. That's bad. Uh, you know, we try to... Uh, uh, Talk to our, our Jewish friends about, and verses like that are horrible. It, it, it's just horrible. It's unconscionable. Uh, the word is Passover, okay? They would know nothing of Easter. Well, it's the time of the resurrection. Yeah, but that's not what the verse is saying. I don't know why they took that, uh, that liberty to do that. So they got these four quaternions of soldiers uh, four quaternions, four, four, sixteen. So they got four at a time, and they have like either four or six hour shifts. I've heard it both ways. And two of them are chained to Peter on both, uh, and one of them is inside the door of the, of the jail with him. One's outside the door. So you got four, and then the next shift would come on, and one would chain, and the other would chain. It was, it was big, long, because they didn't want to escape. They already had problems with the disciples escaping, if you remember earlier in our story. And they're not stupid, they're, so we're going to make sure he's not get, going anywhere. Four quaternions. There's, the, and these guys are like, you know, crack troops. These are like Delta Force. These are like Navy SEALs. These people here are like serious, serious. And he's not going anywhere, okay? Or is he? Well, let's keep reading. He was kept in prison. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Let's talk about that first. Remember Jesus said that when he's old, he's going to go where someone where he doesn't want to go. Someone's going to, he promised him in the last chapter of John that he was going to be crucified. And here it is the season where Jesus was crucified. You think he's all nerved up? I don't know. He said when he's old. Is he old now? He's older. Is he going to be crucified? Well, Jews can't crucify, but they can, they can get the Romans to crucify Peter. and They've done that before, obviously. So here he is. He's, he's, he's frantic. He's like, God, get me out of here, right? No, we're going to see he's asleep. Now, people are interceding on his behalf. There's a prayer meeting. Does prayer change things? Is God going to deliver him outside of this prayer meeting? Listen, these questions I don't know the answer to. I know there's people praying. They're praying. Are they praying in faith? Ostensibly. Are they praying expectantly? I don't know that because we, we're going to see what they're, they're kind of surprised by their answered prayer. So here they are, they're praying. That's a good thing, okay? They're praying without ceasing. That's what we know that we know because Scripture tells us that. When Heron would have brought him forth the same night, so he's, okay, in the morning it's curtains for you. That same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Peter could sleep anyway. He's on a mountain with, with Jesus and he's asleep. He's in the garden the night before and he's asleep. He's, you know, he, he's, a, he's a sleeping guy. I think he's, he's one of these guys who can fall asleep at just, a, like me. I, I, I sleep, like, super easy. Just, I, just, I just do. Um, I can fall asleep anytime, just right in the middle of a sermon. Uh, usually when I'm not preaching, though. Uh, I, I can sleep, and, and so I understand this, you know what I mean? He's just a real low idol. As he gets into that mode, he's just, and off he goes. I think it's talking about that. He's not all nerved up. He's like, 
Well, if I'm going to be home with the Lord tomorrow, okay, might as well get a good night's sleep. Um, he's, I think it talks about his confidence in the Lord. Whether he thinks he's going to die or not, I don't think his faith is shakable at this point. This is after Pentecost. He's not denying the Lord ever at this point. And here he is, sound asleep. It's comical to me. He was bound with two chains. Why? Because that's the chain of his right hand, his left hand, the guards are. And the keeper before the door kept the prison. So you got one inside, one outside. I didn't say that here, but they get, talk about the one who's outside. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. He smote Peter on the side, <laughs> raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. They think of an angel showing up in the light and everything. Peter would wake up. You, you light sensitive? We've got to have it pretty dark. Sue does. I can sleep with the light on, light off. Doesn't matter to me because I'm not light sensitive. Um, she's more light sensitive. She needs to have the room dark and, you know, I can fall asleep with the TV running, not light on, uh, whatever. You know, kids run into the room, it don't matter to me. <laughs> Sound asleep. And stuff happens, like she'll get up in the night and she'll say, oh, this happened, this happened, this And the mother's like, really? And I slept at the whole thing? You know, it's, it's kind of pathetic. So wake me up if a burglar comes, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll get up and take care of that. But, but I'm the same way. So there's, there's, but so this angel has to smack him on the side. Smoke means to smack. It doesn't mean that he punched him, you know, broke a rib or anything. But he smote him, okay? Like, hey, wake up. You know, came a good little shove, can we say? Uh, this, that maybe an angel's going to smite Herod. It's the same word, by the way. I think a different result, different smiting. Uh, and it raised him up. Arise quickly, his chains fell off from his hand. That's a good day. <laughs> okay, you know, what listen, there's four guards. What's happening there? Did they put into a deep sleep? I don't know, it doesn't say anything about them. First, chains. First, now you see him, now you don't. Boom, they fall off. He can't do that. The angel has to do that. The angel said to him, gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. So he did. Well, why didn't the angel just dress him supernaturally quick? He can make his chains fall off. Because, you know, I think, though, what God, the part that you can do, God wants you to do. I have no doubt the angel could have dressed him. But, you, Peter, you can do that. Get dressed. Put your sandals on. Because he can put his sandals on. He can't make the chains fall off. So the angel does the part that the angel has to do. Peter does the part that Peter can do. Let that be a word to all of us. My mom used to teach me when I was growing up, pray like everything depends on God and work like everything depends on you. It may be that God blesses through your hard work. Well, do the part you can do. I think that's, I've never heard anything better than that. I don't think it means that you don't have faith in God. God has to do a miracle here for Peter to get out of jail, and that's where this is going, spoiler alert. But here's the thing. Uh, God has to do his part, but Peter does the part that he can do. He gets dressed. And he said, cast thy garment on thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel. Thought he saw a vision. Now remember, he had a vision before about Cornelius. Remember back in uh, Acts chapter 10. And here he's thinking he's having another vision. A dream, I guess, because he's asleep, right? Oh, this is cool. What a cool dream he's having, right? And he's thinking, oh, this is cool. I, I hate to wake up from this. He's awake the whole time. He thought he saw a vision. When they were uh, past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. 
uh, and they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. Okay, you'll be okay for now, and off he goes. It, the gate opened on his own accord. Again, Peter couldn't do that part, right? So the angel did that. When Peter was come to himself, he kind of like, wait a second, <laughs> this ain't quite, it's cold out here. You know? How did he come to that? I don't know, he figured it out. This ain't a dream, this ain't a vision, this is the real deal, this is really happening. When Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety, the Lord hath sent his angel, hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And that's exa he's co exactly correct. That's what happened. They're going to have a good old high time tomorrow executing our friend Peter. And God interrupts it with a miracle like God can do. Did he interrupt the killing of James with a miracle? No. Why? It's God's will. It's a, it's a, I can't figure it. I don't know. Does he like Peter better than he likes James? Certainly not. God's no respecter of persons. Here's the way I figured it a long time ago. When I'm done running my course, when I've served the Lord and he's, I've done all the things that he's prescribed for me to do, he'll take me home. That's, I, I, that's my thinking, okay? I don't think I'll die one moment too soon. I, I think that that's how it works. Until then, I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I ain't going anywhere until he says it's time, and then there's nothing I'm going to do. I can't throw a hissy fit, drag my feet. And he says, come on up. And I wouldn't want to. And he says, come on up here. It's like, okay, now we're talking. And through the interim, I got, obviously, I'm here. I'm breathing. I'm on this side of the dirt. He must have stuff for me to do. Um, um, we're saved by grace through faith, right? We know that, uh, Ephesians 2.8. Uh, Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What does that mean? We should go to church, we should give, we should be generous, we should be nice, we should keep our lawns good. I, I don't know that it... Those are good things, but I think specific good works. He's before, before ordained, you should walk in them. I got this, this is what your life looks like. You got to do this, 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 this. I got your whole... What a shame it is not to find that out in life. You know, we get uh, in heaven, he, it says, give him a, a, Jesus will give us a stone with our new name on it. What is that? Uh, he calls things that are not as though they were. Remember that. I think that is a new identity. But I think that's like, this is what I had for you. This is what you're who's supposed to look like. Outside of knowing Jesus, you'll never know what your new name was, what he wanted to call you, what he had. And I think that has to do with the idea of like what you were about, what you, what you were supposed to be doing. I think I hit my stride, by the way. I really do. I think I'm supposed to teach the Bible. No, I really think so. Well, you, Adam, you do it amazingly well. No, not at all. I, I just do what he, he's called me to do, and I am who I am. I don't think I'm an evangelist. I mean, I, all Christians are, but I don't think that's my, what he's got for me primarily. I think he's, he wants me to teach the Bible verse by verse. Tell people what it means. Don't editorialize my word. Don't change it. Don't, I don't need an editor. I need a proclaimer. Do that. I, I, I've prayed about this long and hard. I think this is what God has me to do. Now, I'm not saying that's exclusively what he has me to do, but I think that's primarily my, the na that, that, that rock, by the way, it's probably a diamond, that white rock that he's going to give me with my new name on it. I might just say teacher. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, Oh, where are we? Where are we? Okay, he considered, oh, the hand of her of all expectations, people, Jews. When he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. This is Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark, by the way. Uh, where many were gathered together praying. This is the prayer meeting that's trying to get Peter out of jail that we referred to earlier, right? Um, prayer was made in verse 5. This is that prayer. And, uh, is there other groups? I don't know, but this is probably the main one. As Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. Uh, and when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told, Peter, uh, told how Peter stood before the gate. This is funny to me, you know. She's a, she's a little bit of a ditz. I don't know if that's politically correct anymore. She's a little scattered, okay? Maybe she's so excited. Maybe she's really put together in the head real well and she's just scattered because of this situation. I, d I don't know the answer. But here she's knocking at the door. She goes, yeah, who is it? It's me, Peter. And so she's so glad she runs in and tells everyone else she doesn't open the door. And they said to her, thou art mad. Maybe she's that kind of girl who they think she's crazy, right? She constantly affirmed that it was even so. She's right, by the way. Then said they, it is his angel. <laughs> they have these weird ideas, right? We do. Hey, I got a good idea. Go check, <laughs> right? Peter continued knocking. When they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Why? Weren't they praying for that? I mean, what were they praying for? Were they praying that, oh, that he might die easy and quickly? Were they praying that, I think they were praying that God would deliver him. And then guess what? <gasps> God delivered him. And now they're all surprised. I, okay, okay. Maybe you're saying you're, you're hard on him. Maybe, maybe. Maybe I'd be every bit as surprised. I don't know. It, it's, it just seems remarkable to me. They're astonished that God would do what they're asking God to do. <laughs> Am I wrong on this? Anyway, but he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace. Okay, guys, quiet down. Why? Because they're jubilation. They're, you know, jumping and shouting and like you would be, like I would be. So he, he said, okay, all right, calm down. And he declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. He said, go show these things unto James uh, and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Wait a second, wait a second. James is dead. It won't be that James. It would be James, the half-brother of Jesus, okay, who's going to be the the senior pastor at Jerusalem, okay? Uh, he's not a disciple. He's not one of the original 12. And nor, nor are they replacing James either, okay? When they start dying at this point, there's no replacements. There's no perpetual uh, apostolic, none of that. I know some people teach that, but they don't teach it out of this book. So he departed and went to another place. And he kind of walks out of Scripture. He going to appear later on briefly. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no, no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And I love Luke's writing, no small stir. It was a big deal, obviously. And he is the master of understatement. I like that. He's very subtle. When Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded they should be put to death. Um, so they had to pay for it with their lives. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and their abode. Now, it's this interesting little parenthetical story here. So Peter's delivered miraculously. The prayer meeting 
uh, they prayed and it was a success. And whatever you want to do with your theology at this point, I just, this is what Scripture says. He was in jail. They, ex they were going to execute him the night before. People are praying and then God moved. In my thinking, add it all up. It's, it's good. It's, what part does prayer play in the whole thing? I don't know, because I think like you think in this. We pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. What are we praying about? We're praying that his kingdom comes. What does that mean? The millennial kingdom. The kingdom. When Jesus comes back to judge the earth, and he sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem, literally, not figuratively, now, there's a group called Amillennialists, and they believe that Jesus is not going to reign for a thousand years. He's ruling and reigning in our hearts right now. Well, I agree that on that part. I think he is ruling and reigning in our hearts. Is he reigning in the whole world? Not so as you'd notice. Okay? Uh, Israel is in a pickle right now. They're being attacked by Hezbollah. We got Iran uh, and, and uh, you know, with, uh, with Syria, with Russia, with Turkey, north in Syria... It doesn't look really good for our friends, for Israel. You know, you read Ezekiel 38, 39. You know how it's going to turn out. Oh, that could happen literally any moment. I know what I'm talking about. That could happen literally any moment. They've all, we've always been promised that before in our lives, but you're always thinking, like, really, Russia and Turkey? Russia, you know, Soviet communist bloc with Turkey? A, a member of NATO? Really? How does that work out? And we, we would read these things and we'd say, that is not likely. And now we see it happening before our eyes. By the way, all three of those countries are in a financial freefall. And what does Ezekiel tell us? This is totally unscripted. What does Ezekiel tell us? That they're going to go to Israel for a spoil. It's all financial. And now here it is. The table's being set right before us. Could this happen like any day? How close are we to the rapture? I'm not setting any dates. I, 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 don't, I don't roll like that. Well, I'll tell you, I'd be ready. Don't wait to your Christmas shop until Christmas Eve, okay? <laughs> I'm joking, 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 joking. Uh, where, am, where am I? Oh, yeah, he, he left. Uh, no small stir. Uh, Herod's executed them. Okay, now this is the story now, this little vignette here. Uh, Herod, he goes down from Judea, Caesarea, and their abode. Herod was highly, that's saying Peter. He went down in their abode. Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. They came with one accord to him, having made Blastus, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their, king, their country was nourished by the king's country. You remember before Agabus had pronounced it was going to be a, a dearth, a famine in the land. So this is very important because they're nourished by the king's country, those of uh, Tyre and Sidon, okay? And so Herod... He's, there's a set day. Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, made an oration unto them. Okay? So think about all the pomp, all the ceremony. He's decked out in his finery, his uh, regalia, his royal apparel. And he makes this speech. And the people gave a shout saying, It is the voice of God. 
the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately, the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. I love, st- I love stuff like this. Ken loves it better than me. He goes into gory detail. He says, you won't know that he was eaten by worms unless the worms somehow came out of him so you could see them. And he goes into some graphic detail that I will abstain from, okay, because we're going to go to lunch after this, and all of us, and so here it is. You know, I don't want to get into too much gory detail, but I, I agree with what Ken's saying, obviously. So he's, he's eaten with worms. Why? Because he didn't give God the glory. I think it's just a precursor to what's going to happen to him in eternity. You know, hell's a place of what? Torment, gnashing of teeth, outer darkness. How can you have fire without light? There's a nasty fire, whatever it is. It doesn't give up any light. It gives off plenty of heat. There's weeping. There's gnashing of teeth. Where the worm dieth not, the scripture says. Little worms to be eaten on? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Nasty, whatever it is. Is that gnawing away? Is that like what could have been? What should have been? What I should have done? Is that that? I, I, I don't know. There's going to be some worms eating on this guy, and this is just a precursor to that. He's going to have to get used to that idea for a long, long time. Eternity is such a long time. Why don't you think about this? I really do. I, I'm just I'm trying to like manipulate you emotionally, but when you think about this, eternity is such a long time, and this is such a short time. It's a, it's a mist, it's a vapor, it appears for a while and then it goes away. And then we get forever to think, ah, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Why did I think that this situation, this, why did I think my sin was more desirable than Jesus? It's not now. Is that the, is that the worm, the gnawing away? I, I, I don't know. He didn't give God the glory. He was eaten of worms. He gave up the ghost. It didn't say he, was ge- he gave up the ghost and was eaten of worms. It said he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Nasty. I know, I don't. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Uh, good. Who, is that your amen? Good. Me and Noreen. Amen. <laughs> Wait a second. Well, I, I'll see that up again. Okay. <laughs> but the word of God grew and multiplied. Look, look, we, we look at the chapter. Peter, I mean, uh, is uh, in prison. Uh, uh, James is beheaded. They're smiting the church, and it looks like it's working. The bad guys are winning. Oh, no. Oh, and what happens at the end? Peter's freed. Herod's dead. The word of God... You. You, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove you that the Word of God is... Herod's going to stamp out Christianity single-handedly. Herod's stamped out. The Word of God is not. Listen. The Word of God has survived its would-be pallbearers so many times. Uh, just one comes to mind. Voltaire. It's within a hundred years, the... Nobody's going to talk about the Bible or think about it. He's going to reason, single-handedly stamp it out. There was a time, I'm not sure, that his house was turned into a 
French Bible and Tract Society. They were printing Bibles and Bible tracts at his house. Voltaire's come and gone. The Bible hasn't. It, everyone, they're going to stamp out Christianity. You're going to make it so, it's, it's ridiculous. You're ridiculous. You're dead. Bible's alive. It, it's, you can't, if it's the Word of God, you can't destroy it. it it's, and here it is. The Word of God grew and multiplied. Listen, the zeitgeist in America in the 21st century, we're rubes. You are just a throwback evolutionary. You haven't, you haven't evolved to as, as good as you can yet. You don't believe in that Bible. <laughs> you poor deluded sap. Really? All right. You'll see. Go ahead. Try to defeat Christianity. And the countries where persecution is most intense, the gospel is thriving. You know, we don't have a lot of uh, gospel workers in places like Iran. We don't. We have some. Uh, you know, you can't give their names or anything like that. You, you, if you're listening to Voice of the Martyrs and stuff like that, there's some indigenous uh, believers, and there's some who come in from the outside and help build the church, things like that. The persecution is intense, and it's one of the most Bible hotbeds in the entire planet. People are having visions and dreams and coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's, it's incredible. Oh, you think you're going to defeat me over there? And now God comes and he pours his spirit out here. I'm very excited about the next, if there be months, if there be years left for America. I'm very excited about what, as the persecution turns up, as they ratchet up the anti-Christian rhetoric, I think we're living at a time we're going to see the Spirit of God poured out in a way that who knows what's going to happen. Will it match the Jesus movement of the, of the 60s and the 70s? Will it be its own? Who knows? Get ready for big work. We're going to, I, 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 I hope it's that way. I hope it's that way. I mean, think. Rapture or revival, oh, what's the sense of hanging around? One of those things got to happen. The, the, if, if we're going to be here, we want to see a great harvest of souls. We want to see the people like be done with lesser things. Listen, sin, you ain't got no time for it. Are you, are you insane? Are you, get rid of sin in your life. Anything that would slow you down from being used by God. You don't, you don't have time for it anymore. Uh, it's, it's simply, events are overtaking us. Be ready to be used by God in a mighty way. Why? Because he wants to? Yeah. Because he has to? Yeah. There's not that many of us around, Christian workers. So I think he'll use who's ever available, who's ever willing, whoever's saying, Lord, here I am, use me. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll say anything you want me to say. I'll go any place you want me to go. And then see if he doesn't start using you. I, I believe that he will. You know, um, I, I learned something from Ken. He's not an empire builder. I've said this before, right? He's not trying to build the biggest, most, he could have probably the biggest church in Maine, I think. You get to know something, he sends you out. Here, start a church. We get down here. They're not, nobody knows down here. You got to go here. You got to go here. There's no Calvary Chapel here. Go here. Why is Calvary Chapel important? Because they do verse by verse by verse. It's the whole word of God. Not many churches do that. The ones who aren't, our brothers, I'm not trying to put anyone down. Please, 
hear my heart on this. We have a very unique niche. This is how we do. Every word of God from Genesis to Revelation, it's all important. It's all the word of God. And none of it, we don't say, oh, this is, we don't talk about that. It's not important. It's not germane. It's not what the church needs. We don't. God said, no, here's my word. We say, amen, amen, and this is how we'll serve it up. And we, won't, we don't skip verses. Some of them are hard to talk about verses, huh? I've been embarrassed more times than not, more, more times I can't remember than, you know, talking about some things that are kind of very hard to talk about. But if I get to choose every week, I skip over the verses I don't like or that are difficult or that make me red in the face or that there's some hard verses there that we don't absolutely positively have all the answers to, isn't there? We don't skip them. We do it, take our best guess. And if I don't know, I always tell you, you know, you know how it is. I tell you, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what this verse is telling us. Uh, uh, there's not a lot of verses like that, but there are some. But so we have this very particular way of doing it. And I think there needs to be a Calvary Chapel everywhere in Maine within now, others say, well, I'm going to talk this week about salvation. I'm going to talk this week about faith. I'm going to talk this week about tithing. I'm going to talk, praise God. They're preaching out of the Word of God. I think that's important. I think that's a good thing. I'm no one's judge. Let them stand before God, and they, J- Jesus can tell them, this is the way I want it, this, whatever. I'm not being judgmental, but I like, I think, Calvary Chapel, we do this a certain way, and I think, it's what, I think God honors it. And be ready, I'm saying, for a big harvest or... For a trumpet blast, I have an idea one of those things is going to happen. Coming soon to a planet near you. Uh, let's just look at this last verse, okay? It, I'm really going to take this up next week because it really kind of goes with chapter 13. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. This is the same Mark we, intro- we were introduced to here earlier. It's his house, his prayer meetings going on. Um, he might be the mark. He might be the uh, rich young ruler. He might be the one who um, fled away naked when he was, someone grabbed some guys he had wrapped up in a sheet and he ran away. He, th- that might be him too. Uh, this is John, who, who, uh, John, whose surname is Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And he travels with Peter. Here he's traveling with uh, uh, Saul and Barnabas. Barnabas and Saul's that's given to us. Um, verse 2 of chapter 13, the church at Antioch is praying, right? Praying. And the Holy Spirit says to them, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And Mark goes with, okay? And we'll, we'll read that when we come to that. But here it's kind of setting that up here in verse 25, which I think really goes with chapter 13. Anyway, we'll start there next week. Let's stand, let's pray. Man, you got out five minutes early. This is so exciting. <laughs> the uh, guys who can come out, out, up here and send us out in song. Lord, uh, the, the takeaway from today, it looks like at the beginning of the chapter like the bad guys are winning. Lord, we look around in America in the 21st century and... and if we're not looking for your hand, looking for you working, very often it seems like the bad guys are winning. I know how this all ends, Lord. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he's going to reap also. We understand that everyone gets their comeuppance. 
But Lord, we want to see people come to redemption. We want to see people saved. We're not, we don't want to see justice happen at the expense of the Lord. We want to see salvation. We want to see you mercifully pardon. And, and, and we, we understand the gospel, Lord. None of us here deserve the great favor you've showed any of us. And we want to see this extended to others as well. So blessed to that end, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.